What's up, y'all? My name is Nina, a.k.a. La Chicanista. My pronouns are she, her, ella, and I reside in Cocopa and Kachan land, also known as the borderlands of Yuma, Arizona. Welcome to my podcast, a space where I'll be sharing with you my thoughts on hot topics that I'm passionate about, such as feminism, culture, race, social justice, mental health, spirituality, and more. I will do my best to bring you fresh and interesting perspectives on these topics through stories, anecdotes, and reflections, and even poetry every two weeks. Each of these stories and experiences will be shared from the lens of a first-generation daughter of Mexican immigrants living in the United States. This podcast will also serve as a space where I shed light on the nuances of Latin American culture and more specifically Chicane culture break away from the illusion that we Latinos are a monolith. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the first episode of the podcast with your host, Nina, aka La Chicanista. But you already knew that. I wanted to start off this episode with a prologue to introduce myself to y'all and give you an idea of who I am, where I come from, and my inspiration for this podcast. If you ask me what radicalized you, there are many things I can say. Being poor, maybe. Living in a small two-bedroom apartment with my parents and my little brother. The stench of cigarettes permeating through the walls and the vents from our neighbor who, despite coughing up a lung, just couldn't seem to kick the habit. My dad, working a low-wage job only with an 8th grade education just to pay the bills while my mom stayed home to take care of my brother and collected food stamps and welfare checks. Seeing the exhaustion, stress, and frustration of your immigrant parents working so hard to attain the American dream only to have it placed further and further away from their grasp every time. That can definitely radicalize you. And that's part of it. The year that radicalized me, though, was 2010. Many things happened that hurt the Latina community during that time. We were still suffering the consequences of the Great Recession in 2008. We were also seeing the largest number of immigrant deportations by ICE during Obama's first term. To add fuel to the fire, SB 1070 was signed into law in Arizona by then-Governor Jan Brewer in the spring of 2010. This was the infamous show-me-your-papers law, which gave law enforcement the authority to ask for proof of residency and or citizenship during a traffic stop if they had reasonable suspicion that the individual was in the country illegally. In the spring semester of 2010, I took a Chicano studies course. I was a sophomore at Arizona State at the time. This course opened up my eyes to the long history of our oppression as as Mexicanos, Latinos, and immigrants in the United States. It was the beginning of my journey to critical consciousness, or conscientization, as the great Paulo Freire describes in Pedagogy of the Oppressed. 
And like the great labor leader and organizer Cesar Chavez stated, once social change begins, it cannot be reversed. You cannot uneducate the person who has learned to read. Episode 1, The Latine Identity Crisis Is it Hispanic? Latino? Latina? Latinex? Does it matter? Who does it benefit? Can we learn from it? For my first episode, I've decided to talk to y'all about the Latine identity crisis. Do these labels matter? Who benefits from our identity? Can we learn from it? There's been a lot of discussion about this topic in the news, on social media, and other podcasts for several years now. More recently, there's been conversations around gender identity and the use of pronouns in the LGBTQ plus community, which I find very important. But for this episode, we're going to focus strictly on racial and ethnic identity within the Latina community. Anyways, let's talk about the identity crisis. Because of colonialism, systemic racism, and xenophobia, the Latina community has been experiencing a cultural and ethnic identity crisis for generations. Collectively, what are we? How do we identify as individuals? How do we identify as a whole group? How do we identify to the gringo? Are we white? No. Well, kinda. Does Spanish ancestry make us white? Uh, yeah, kinda does. Are we Hispanic? I mean, I guess so. Latino? Sure. But I'm Mexican and I was born in America. What am I? Mexican-American. Yeah, okay. But not all Latinos are Mexican or from Mexican ancestry, then the term would be Latino or Hispanic, to be inclusive. What about people from Brazil? They would be considered Latino, but not Hispanic. What about our black folks who are also Latino Americanos with African ancestry or Caribbean ancestry? Oh, they would be referred to as Afro-Latinos. What about our indigenous folks or Latinos of indigenous ancestry? What about our mujeres and our transgender and gender non-binary folks? Latinx. Pero it doesn't conjugate well, especially in Espanol. It's just weird. Okay. How about Latine? Latine? Okay, la. Ugh. This all sounds confusing, right? Frustrating, right? I know. Es un desmadre. So, well, this is more or less how the labels uh, have evolved over time. Now, you will hear me use the term Latine or Chicane when speaking about the community as a collective because it's more inclusive. Y as a badass mujer, 
Chicana who speaks Spanish and English. I am using Latine porque se conjuga más fácilmente en español. And it's just a personal preference. The Latine Identity Crisis, Part 2. La Raza Cósmica. So is it Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, or Latine? All right, I'm going to break it down for you. So let's start with the term Hispanic. Hispanic is defined as relating to Spain or to Spanish-speaking countries. On the other hand, Latino or Latina is defined as a person of Latin American origin or descent. This distinction is important because all Hispanics, with the exception of people from Spain, are Latine, but not all Latines are Hispanic. An example of this is our our Brasileños. Their native language is Portuguese, not Spanish. Now, Latinx versus Latine. Y'all might have heard Latinx used predominantly in more post-secondary academia or academic settings, like in college or university discussions. Now, the modification of the X in place of the O or A was meant to make the term more gender neutral and inclusive of our LGBTQ plus gente. Cool. So the term Latine is basically saying the same thing or doing the same thing. It's just easier to pronounce and conjugate with other words in Spanish by placing the E at the end as opposed to the X. So for example, Bienvenides todes a mi podcast. It's much easier to say than had I put an X instead of an E in those at the end of those two words, bienvenidos and todos. All right, so I broke it down for y'all between his starting with the Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, Latine. Right, so great, we got that out of the way, that's clear. But when it comes to how do we identify or what are, you know, when we select those boxes on there of race and ethnicity, it's more complicated than that because just to be clear, we don't have a race. And when I say we, I mean Latines. Don't, we're not a race. We're an ethnicity group and a relatively large one, especially here in the United States. Large presence. But we are not yet a race. That's saying we are Latine is not enough. That's only identifying ourselves as an ethnicity, right? As an ethnic group. The whole race part is much more complicated. I don't know. I went to the doctor recently and I 
had to fill out those forms that ask you for your race and identity or, or ethnic identity. And so, of course, for Hispanic, Latino, under ethnicity, I selected it, you know, because, you know, government purposes, whatever, you know, census stuff. Um, yeah, Hispanic, Latino, check that off. But under race, it was the same four races you see every single time when you check out those forms. White, black, Native American, Asian. For me, it's like none of the above. Now, yes, I'm not going to be ignorant of my privilege. I'm a light-skinned Chicana, so I know how close in proximity I am to white. When I go to, you know, when I go to the beach, I don't tan. I burn and then I tan, right? So there's a level of whiteness to me, and I know it in my blood and in my genes, but I don't identify as white. I also don't identify as black because for all I know, I am not black. And Native American, when you put, when they think of Native American, they're thinking mostly of North America and not Mexico, even though, you know, the entire Southwest, including Utah, Nevada, and Colorado were once a part of Mexico. But anyways, so I couldn't check off Native American either. So do you see how complex this is? Our identity has to go beyond just saying we are Latine. I think we're at that point right now, especially after elections. And we saw how um, we were all classified as thinking the same and voting the same. But there were all these grassroots movements, especially that did a really good job of of saying of of picking at those nuances of of us as Latine folks that we're not all the same and we don't all vote the same. There's a huge number of conservative Latine folks that voted very differently that voted for Trump. So it's, it's much more complex. We cannot be ignorant and just be satisfied with this identity of Latine, right? And then our race, that's where it gets complicated. What is our race? We don't have one. So why don't Latines have a race? I mean, some argued for some time, even even in the 60s, you heard the, the shouts of brown pride, like that we should be, that our race is brown, right? However, I've heard Indians refer to themselves as brown people. I've also heard blacks, lighter skinned blacks, refer to themselves as brown folks. And to be honest, most Mexicans or Latinas are white. Not all, I said most. Most are white. We are a result of our mestizaje. And it's been a mestizaje that because of cultural conditioning, telling us that if we are in proximity to whiteness, we will be safe, we will be successful, we will, we will endure economically, spiritually, in every sense, right? That's just reality. It is what it is. Study history. Really, truly study the human condition and our how civilizations formed throughout the time. Not You don't even have to go that far back. But it is what it is. Most Mexicans and or Latines are white. 
because of we are a product of our mestizaje. Now, in a caste system, uh, much like India and other South Asian countries, the lighter or closer to whiteness you are, the more successful you are economically, socially, and aesthetically. Aesthetically meaning beautiful and appealing, right? The more likely you are to marry someone. Um, and I hate this, but because of, this is the reason I'm a, I'm a f- feminist, so I hate saying this, but for women, the closer you were to whiteness, the more beautiful you were, the more chances you had of marrying someone who was successful economically and could move you up to another level of status so that you can continue to form a family, have children, and then your children's children would be successful and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's how it worked. And that was the the thought and the ideology and the conditioning that was given to a lot of our parents, our, our antepasados, right? Our, our abuelos and and tatarabuelos and bisabuelos and all this right that's how they were conditioned and it's not like it's easy to break away because this was policy like and you're you're experiencing it for yourself right you know from people in power making these decisions they're the ones that put this ideology into practice and materialize it so um this is very much alive. I said I mentioned Indian South and South Asian countries. However, it it runs deep in 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 Mexican culture as well. Um, and now it's not a cat. There was a caste system prior. There was a legit caste system in in Mexico um, that pretty much laid it out who belonged where and who you know, and the hierarchy of different groups of people based off of how close in proximity they were to whiteness, you know, and it it was, it was policy. Um, But then that was prohibited. That caste system was done away with. It was sweet. It was considered something old, but it manifested in the form of colorism. Those caste system manifested in the form of colorism and they are deeply rooted in the culture of the people. Phrases like, El niño es morenito, pero está bonito. Trabajo como negro para vivir como blanco. Se cobró a lo chino. Chinito japonés. Indio con puro, ratero seguro. Indio bajado del cerro a tamborazos. Naco. Traes el nopal en la frente. Cásate con un güero para mejorar la raza. If you're familiar or have heard any of these phrases, that's the prejudices that have resulted from the conditions of a caste system. This is what we call colorism. These are people of the same racial or ethnic group, so non-whites, so this does not include whites, being prejudiced against their own people.
summary, Latines are an ethnic group, not a race. Latines are too diverse of an ethnic group to identify with any one particular race. However, I believe that many Latines would identify as white. Why? Because of colorism. The closer in proximity you are to whiteness, the better off you are. Why? Because of white supremacy. We are so conditioned by this ideology that we'll either live in fear or shame because of it, or we will assimilate so much that we erase our non-white ancestral roots in order to just have a seat at the table. For Latines who are black or indigenous, there is a shame and even fear in celebrating their blackness and indigeneity. They've endured the violence of colonialism and racism for centuries and continue to do so till this day. Additionally, they've endured the prejudices of a caste system that was developed as a result of the raping of black and indigenous women by white men. The systems were so successful, in fact, that they've also endured prejudices of their own people or ethnic group in the form of colorism, which is what manifested from these caste systems. This ideology of white supremacy murdered the spirit of many blacks and indigenous folks. Now, um, I don't know how many of y'all watch Euphoria on HBO or have seen the show, but um, they're the latest uh, episode that that streamed. Um, there's this scene, and it's probably one of my favorite scenes throughout the the whole episode. Um, and that's when she's sitting down with her sponsor and uh, her sponsor Ali, and he's talking about. Uh, how her generation is so consumed um, by consumerism and instant gratification and and that they'll start hundreds of little revolutions and none of them will ever last or even get anything done, right? It won't push the needle that much further. Um, and one of my favorite lines from that conversation is when he says, true revolution not a fast one, not a trendy one, but a real revolution is at its core spiritual. And he's right. That's what's going to what it's going to take to bring down the ideology of white supremacy. Jose Vasconcelos was a controversial Mexican politician, philosopher and author who wrote a piece titled La Raza Cosmica. His contra- he's controversial because of his anti-Semitism and appeal to the Nazis, which seemed to be more prevalent be- after he lost his presidential election in 1929, according to his last-born son. However, he published La Raza Cosmica in 1925 before he decided to run. In this essay... Vasconcelos writes that he believes that one day a new race of people would be born out of the Americas. 
He believed that the mixing of races in Latin America was an important venture. He describes it as an experiment. He believed that because Latin Americans are mestizos, a mix of European, indigenous, African, and Asian ancestry, they would actually transcend all other races, forming a fifth race. Vasconcelos believed one day la raza cósmica would erect a new civilization, Universopolis, where traditional ideas of race and nationality would transcend in the name of humanity's common destiny. What is this destiny exactly? Who knows? A new world order? I hope it means the liberation of all peoples, but who knows how it'll manifest. But this revolution that Vasconcelos is talking about is not just political or cultural, it's spiritual. At its very core, it is spiritual. It's going to take a complete decimation of one's priorities, beliefs, and ways of living. Now, with the great conjunction of 2020 happening on December 21st, um, signaling the beginning of the age of Aquarius falling on Sears winter solstice, I can't help but to think that La Raza Cosmica would erect a new civilization, right? Universopolis. This, this, this uh, ideology where traditional ideas of race and nationality would be transcended in the name of humanity's common destiny, right? In a sense of true equality on every level, not just politically, not just economically, but even spiritually. Now, Vasconcelos um, is a very, like I mentioned, controversial figure. A political figure um, to a lot of Chicanos and also to a lot of Mexicanos. I mean, he, his anti-Semitism um, in the 30s and 40s, you know, and his, he, his, he tends to, he appealed to the, to the Nazis, to, he appealed to that, to them, to, you know, white supremacy, but, um, you know, he, we can't deny that a lot of what he spoke about or wrote about or in his philosophies and his theologies were, were indeed correct, you know? Um, but as it pertains to La Raza Cosmica, you know, it's, we need to be a unified front. My point can best be summarized by the Chicano Raza activists of the 70s, Corky Gonzalez in a quote, you have to understand that in order to make progress, in order to gain justice from any society, you have to take a stand. So when we talk about organizing people, when we talk about organizing Chicanos, organizing La Raza, that we have to know what our contributions were to this area and to this continent we aren't just Chicanos, a minority in the United States of America. We are Chicanos and Latinos who are a majority of Aslan, of Mexico, Central America, and South America. We are a part of a majority. 
cree en el poder de nuestra raza. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to check in every two weeks for a new episode on all things Chicané. In the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay blessed. Ánimo mi gente, sin miedo y con ganas. Cuídense. Peace. Like what you hear? Feel free to follow me on Instagram at la underscore chicanista. That's la underscore chicanista. X-I-C-A-N-I-S-T-A on Instagram. Get to know myself and more about some of the topics that I'll be talking about throughout the course of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. La Chicanista Podcast, a show about all things Chicané as told by a feminist Chicana. Hosted and produced by your girl Nina, a.k.a. La Chicanista. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Stay tuned for more. I'll see you next time.